So you guys know we're in the book of Joshua. We have been in chapter number one. We're going to finish Joshua one today. Amen. Only, what, six messages in. Praise the Lord. Um, but <laughs> as we start off in the book of Joshua, when we opened up, it opens up with the death of Moses, okay? The death of Moses. We're seeing the transition. And what we saw in our first in the beginning of our messages was the commissioning of Joshua. We saw God's commissioning of Joshua where he was going to become this leader. God was calling him to new, be the new leader of the Israelite people. <clears throat> and remember, it's important for us to remember this. To remember why they, why did God bring them out of Egypt? To get them into Canaan, right? So the reason why they came out was to get them in. And this is Joshua's job. He is the one that's going to lead them in. So we saw, first of all, the commissioning of Joshua. Then we saw the encouragement of Joshua. We saw that as God was encouraging him in verses 3 through 5, saying, you know what, you can do this. You can do this. And remember, Joshua was struggling with self-doubt like a lot of us probably do. We have a new role or a new responsibility. Maybe even as a parent for the first time, we're like, man, can I, can I do this? Well, Joshua was struggling with some of those things as well. And what does God do in that encouragement? He reinforces Joshua, not only telling him that I'm going to be with you, but guess what? It's going to be my strength that's going to get you through, Joshua. Don't depend upon yourself. Depend upon me. Then we went through verses 6 through 9, and what we saw in there was we saw the challenge to Joshua. Here's where God is challenging him. First he encourages him, then he challenges him. Guess what, Joshua? Now's the time. And how does he start that, that little section from verse 6 to verse 9? It opens up with the same phrase as it kind of closes. It says this, be strong and have a good courage. Encouraging him. Look, Joshua, you're not going to succeed because you're strong. You'll succeed because I'm strong. Amen. It's your faith in me, Joshua, that will be the key. So what we saw is him spoke, he was called to take action. And then the next portion that we looked at, which is verses 10 through 15, what we saw was Joshua's response, right? We saw his commissioning, then we saw his encouragement, then we saw the challenge, and here's his response to the challenge. And we saw this in verses 10 through 15. And what we looked at was the fact that in this uh, response that he had, it had three different parts to it. And the first thing we saw was God's positioning of Joshua, the fact that Joshua was going to become that leader. We saw it in verse 10. Verse, uh, in verse 10 it says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people. He actually does what he's supposed to do. He take us. He takes take us. He take us charge, and uh, <laughs> and what I find is this: this man who was intimidated by the task at hand steps up. Man, he becomes a man of faith who really is willing to do it. And what happens is we then see God's plan for the people. And the plan had three different parts. We looked at that in verse number 11. He says, Pass through the hosts and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And their plan here, or this, this, uh, this plan of, of that Joshua is relaying to them, has three different parts. Quickly, there was the preparation of the people. Get your stuff together. Get the victuals together. Prepare. Then there was the pointing. So we had the preparation, then the pointing. Hey, guess where you're going? You're going over the Jordan. That's where we're heading. And then there was the possession, where it went from simply being something they were going to talk about, where now they're going to actually take action. They're getting their gear together, and they're getting ready to go in to possess it. And then we went to verses 12 through 15, which is where we finished up last week. And in this 12 through 15, we saw the provision for the flesh, the provision for the flesh. And we saw this aspect of where these men who had been called to do great things for God, what happened was, guess what? They kind of missed the boat. They didn't go all the way. We saw the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half the tribe of Manasseh. And what happened with them was they were called just like everybody else to go to the promised land. But what happens is they saw some beautiful land before they got there. And they said, you know, we're going to settle for just outside of the promised land. Remember why God called them out of Egypt was to get them into Canaan not to get them close. What happened to them was they decided to settle for what they wanted as opposed to what God wanted for them, right? They saw with their eyes and they allowed what they saw to impact them. Recognize the fact that their goal, as God said, is to get them into Canaan, not to get them within 100 feet of Canaan. Yeah. And that's where they ended up, mm -hmm. literally within 100 feet of being within God's will. And what we find is that provision for the flesh is the free will. They were given the choice. Be obedient or disobedient. The choice is yours. It's the provision for the flesh. We get to choose. And that same choice is given to us as believers. We get to choose every single day. What will we choose? And we ended up last week with a question. I presented this to you as we closed the message out in our message called Almost. Will we go all the way for God and experience His blessing and provision? Or will we go part of the way and settle for almost? Because we allow the trappings of this world to draw us, to be willing to go just a little short. It all comes down 
to choices. That was the provision of the flesh. So if we understand, that's the foundation. That's where we've come from. We go from the death of Moses. We've heard, the, we've heard this Joshua's call to them. This has been his challenge to the people. And then what we see now is this morning, we're going to see the response. So Joshua speaks to the people, and now they're going to respond. What's happened at this point in time? God spoke to Joshua. Joshua spoke to the people. And now the people are going to speak back to him. And our message this morning titled, United We Stand. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. God, for giving us this opportunity that we can gather around the Word of God. Uh, Lord, it is unbelievably rich. That's one of the things that my relationship with Pastor Mark allowed me uh, a glimpse into God, just to realize the depth and breadth of the Word and its incredible power. Having studied it for years before that, Lord, to be able to give it, to be given the gift, uh, Lord, of insight through just the 10 keys even. Lord, and all the things that Pastor Mark imparted to so many of us, thank you, Lord, for using him to, Lord, use your word to help us. God, we thank you for today. Pray that you'll guide the message, Lord. Help it not to be from me. Lord, you know that I've prayed over this message. I've cried over this message. And Lord, I have trusted you to, to write the message. And Lord, I believe that you have. And I just ask God that you please help me not mess it up. Just get me out of the way. Please. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so Joshua. 1, verses 16 through 18. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest, we will go. According as we hearkened, as, as accordingly as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. So we see the response of the people. And what we can see in this, we get an insight into where they are mentally. We get an insight to where they are spiritually and where they are emotionally. Keep in mind, this is hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people gathered together. And what's so cool about this is we see a unity in them. Because recognize, when they speak, they're speaking as if one voice. Listen to what they say in verse 16. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest, we will go. So the first thing we see is the commitment of the people. We see their commitment. All that thou commandest us, we will do. Now, a vow of loyalty. That's what they're saying. Man, we are with you. Now, this is not unusual for the Israelite people. Okay, <laughs> 40 years earlier, their parents were all about vows as well. They're like, hey, man, we're in. Let's go back to Exodus 19, verse 8. Here we go. And all the people answered together and said... All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Now, there's something that these sound almost identical, but there's a subtlety between the two different ones. I want you to notice in verse 16, it says, And all that thou commandest us, we will do. In verse 19, Exodus 19, he says, And all that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. So we see the first generation, they make their vow directly to God. They're saying, Hey, God, we are accountable to you. Now, keep in mind... These people are still poisoned from the pagan culture that they came out of. They are still eat up with corruption. And interestingly enough, the very next thing that's going to happen is God's going to deliver the Ten Commandments. They're making their vow, and God goes, okay, you're going to make your vow. Now let me give you the parameters, the boundaries for you to succeed. Okay? Let me tell you what you'll need to do. And he lays out the Ten Commandments for them, the ultimate do's and don'ts list. Right? This is how you'll succeed. And we know how that carnal generation will respond. Mm -hmm. They are going to fall dramatically and almost instantly into sin. So their parents committed to God. But these folks, they vow to Joshua. Notice this. They speak unto him. And what we see is God establishing an earthly chain of command in, 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 in the people of God. And what we see is this leadership concept of earthly representatives is mimicked in the family. Right? The Father is the ultimate picture. He's a picture of Christ. He's a picture of God. But understand, He's a picture of accountability on earth. And then we look at the church as a body again, a family. What is it? God establishes leadership to help for accountability. Many times we vow to God, but we have a hard time remembering we did that. But when you make a vow to a person, it's a little bit easier because you can see them eye to eye. Right? They come up and they go, ah, what you doing? You're like, oh, uh, uh, nothing. <laughs> just, uh, right? There's an accountability. And what we find here is God's establishing that. When Peter, or when Paul spoke about this in 1 Corinthians 11, he said this in 11.1, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. 
you follow me as I follow Christ. What that means is that if I'm not following Christ, you don't follow me. He is the guide. I'm only here as a representative, as a conduit. And this is the very reason why there's such a high level of accountability to those that are in leadership roles in the church. God holds them to a higher standard, but at the same time, that's also why there's a target on the back of leadership. If you're set in a leadership role in the church, I can guarantee you, you will come under attack because our failures impact other people, right? Now, there's just been recent news that has come out about a very famous apologist who was supposedly this great icon of God who was living a sinful life, a double life, a lying life. And the legacy that he has left behind is a legacy of broken and destroyed lives, a legacy of hypocrisy. And guess who gets the black eye? God. Whose name gets dragged through the mud? God. And we think about, oh my goodness, does my life impact other people? Recognize our successes and our failures affect everyone around us. Amen. Your kids are watching you. When you can't control your temper and you react a certain way, guess what? Your kids learn a lesson. When we react in a certain way and we do something in traffic or we react to a response or we downgrade or, or, or talk down somebody at church in front of our family, what are we doing? We're leaving a legacy. We, our job is to leave a legacy for Christ. You leave this earth, man, better than the way you found it. Amen. Pastor Mark left this earth, man. I praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. He left the right way. Yes. He left the testimony that was true and it was real and it wasn't full of hypocrisy. And if you knew him, you saw that in his life. It's just who he was. And that's the goal for all of us. Because the problem with these people is the fact that they indulge their flesh instead of denying it. And when you indulge your flesh, what it does, it feeds your pride. And you start to feel as if you're better than other people, or you're superior, or things that should apply don't apply. And the next thing you know, as you, as you lose that mindset, as that mindset affects you, you lose your accountability to God. And see, it's the fact that there was not an accountability there. There wasn't a person that he was leaning on that he needed. Because guess what? We can all become weak. You're separated from your family. You're separated. You're on the road. And guess what? The devil starts to work. And none of us are above it. We need not be pointing fingers and saying, well, look at them. Because guess what? There's three, three pointing back at us, right? I'm not good at math. Sorry, I almost said four. That wouldn't be good. <laughs> but that's what happens, right? We have a tendency to put ourselves up here because we're not the one falling in the moment. But in the moment, what are we asking for? Well, I'd love some grace, right? But we're all about judgment. God's saying, hey, hey, hey. Be careful. Be careful. Notice. Now, understand, he will stand accountable to God. Oh, yeah. Ultimately, no one gets off the hook. Everybody faces him. But guess what? We'll all stand accountable. None of us are going to miss this. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. Listen to this. In this physical body, according to that, he hath, what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Right? Good or bad. God is watching. But thankfully, these Israelites are committing to a good man, one who is humble, that is, uh, that is submitted to the Lord, who is a picture of Christ. His name literally translates Jesus. Joshua translates Jesus. And this is what their commitment was, right? They made their commitments in three different parts. First thing they said is, we will do. Whatsoever thou commandest us, we will do. Now, what's he told them to do at this point? Get the victuals together. Get the food together. Let's get ready. He says, prepare you, in verse 11, prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan. Now, interesting, we see that it's a three-day time period. The same thing back in Exodus 19. When we go to Exodus 19, 11, where God's speaking to the Israelites, their, their parents, what does he say? And be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people unto the mount. Right? And we talked about last week that, third, three, that, that number three shows up 75 different times in Scripture. It's about transition. It's about preparation. Their parents were given spiritual boundaries in the Ten Commandments. These are the parameters for your living. And if they would live by them, these things were designed to prepare them to possess the promised land. To design and to help them to possess what God had for them. And staying within God's boundaries of behavior, they would experience His blessings. Right? Stay within the boundaries, experience his blessing. Step outside, experience the curse. While these children, guess what they're being given? Not spiritual boundaries, but physical boundaries. This is an actual place. And if they'll live within these physical boundaries that God's going to give them, guess what? They will possess the promised land. And they will experience the blessings of God. Both of these, spiritually and physically, they require obedience and, and, and faith in order to succeed. 
And see, this is true for us. See, there's a, there's a spiritual aspect of us, and there's a physical aspect of us. And both, guess what? Both have boundaries that God established in His Word. The question is this. Will we live based upon the standards spiritually that God established for us? Right? Will our lives reflect honor to the Lord? Will our thoughts and desires be surrendered to His will? Or will they be to our own? And then physically. Physically. What happens is you and I, we've been given boundaries of what it is is appropriate and what's inappropriate. Will we live within those boundaries? Will we deny ourselves, as Jesus told the disciples, deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him? Right? We've been working on that subject on Wednesday nights, and I feel like I'm beating you guys to pieces on Wednesday nights, and people get going, it's okay, Pastor, we need it. I'm like, okay, all right, I'll just keep doing what the Lord tells me. But, you know, and it, it's not, but it's not me, it's the Word, man. God's Word is constantly reproving us. It's constantly a mirror to show us where it is we're failing. And how many of us think we need some work on us? Yeah. All y'all hands are making Some of y'all be lazy. <laughs> we all need work. None of us are perfect. We haven't arrived yet. We're all a work in progress. God's got a work to do in us. And as Christians, we, we want to possess the promised land and live a life that brings glory to God. And praise the Lord because that's a great thing to shoot for. But let me assure you of this. If you want to accomplish great things for God physically, you first need to do them spiritually in your own heart. Because a lot of people, man, I want God to use me. I want God to do this. I'm going to say, hey, until you're surrendered in here, those things aren't going to happen. The reason why Mark was able to use the way he was is because as a young man, he surrendered. Amen. We surrender our lives to the work of the Lord and let God use us. We're just a vessel for his use. Then the second part of their commitment was this. And whatsoever thou sendest us, where, where, what, whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. So first we will do. And secondly, we will go. Where, is it, where are they supposed to go? He said, you're going to go in and possess the land. They know they're going to cross over the Jordan. With the sword of thou sinners, we will go. They mobilize. They take something that is simply theoretical at this point, and they're going to take action. And what we find is when uh, something, uh, when it goes into that state, when somebody is willing to take hold, the rubber hits the road. And then there's a realization, something that actually goes from being simply theoretical becomes something that has a result. And this is what's happening. They're getting ready to take steps forward. And what's happened in, in these people is uh, their family, where, who their parents reacted in fear, right? They were given the same opportunity, brought to the same place, standing, looking across the border with all the promises of God. And we know how they responded. These folks are willing to trust God. Because you know what? They understand it's already theirs, yeah. right? Joshua keeps saying, hey, look, let's go possess it. God's telling them again, time and time again, go possess it, go possess it, go possess it. Go, 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 go. And we hear that. Their commitment was, do just that, to possess the land. And we think about Joshua, and we think about who our Joshua is, Jesus Christ. And our Joshua told us to go as well. When you go to Matthew 28, right, we know what Joshua's telling them, you're going to go across the promised land. But in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus tells us, he says, where are you supposed to go? He says this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Sharing the Gospels is what he's talking about. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the world. Amen. You're just supposed to go. Our commitment, right? Their commitment was we will go. The question is, what's our level of commitment? Are we willing to go? When the Lord left and ascended this planet, he said, hey, go reach the world. Will we? Are we? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? See, there's a lot of Christians that don't even think that that's speaking to them. They're like, oh man, you hear what he's saying to the pastor? Whew, you better be listening, that's all I can say. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. <laughs> he's talking to all of us. Right. Our lives are supposed to impact this planet. If it was not that, you'd be gone. Yeah. What would be the purpose of leaving you here? Because if we're left to our own devices, we destroy the name of Christ. The whole goal is the fact that we become refined so that God can use us to reach others. Our, our life is supposed to reach the world. In word, yes, but in deed also. Because remember, your testimony speaks volumes. Because there's people in this world that will say, and I mean, the most eloquent person you can possibly imagine, whose word said one thing, and whose actions said completely different. Everything that they said was erased by what they did. And what happens here? Are we committed to being used of God? Are we willing to go as He calls us? Right? My question is this. 
Do we have tracks at the ready? I put those stacks of tracks out. And guess what? I basically just have to dust them off. <laughs> They're not gone very often. Every once in a while, someone will take a stack, or I'll give it to them. I'll go, hey, you need some of these? And I hand it to them. But how many of us go throughout our day, and we meet and interact with people all the time, and we never even cross our mind that we should have a track in our car, or we should have it in our hand, or in our jacket, or in our pocket. Be ready to give it out, because guess what? That's an opportunity. If this is our last day on earth, if God were to judge our Christianity based upon the last 30 days, and he said, you know what? I'm going to erase everything else. But I've been filming the last 30 days, every minute of the last 30 days. Let me see this, who you are. Show me your Christianity in this last 30 days. How many of us would be good with that? Would you like a little notice to go, he say, I'm going to film the next 30 days? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be really good. Then, yeah, I'm on it. But remember, he's watching. We're accountable. God's trying to work. How many of us are ready to share our faith? And you go, it's not my thing. Get involved in discipleship, man. Make this a part of who you are because, guys, we're not promised tomorrow. we got to do something about it now. Get tracks. Get involved in discipleship. Be a part of what it is God wants to use this church and use your life for because you don't want to be filled with regrets. Right. And I, I, it's sad to say, but I think most people are going to be filled with regrets when they stand before the Lord, all of us. And then the third part of their commitment was this. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. The last thing they said was, we will listen. Hearken means listen. So they first they said, we will do, we will go, and we will listen. Now it's important to remember that this is another generation. Okay, This is the second generation. These guys, they're on track right now. They're doing well. Their parents, well, they heard lots and lots of promises. Problem is, many times we'll see ourselves more so in the older generation than we do in this new generation. Okay, I'm going to give you this. We're going to read an excerpt from Exodus 23. Uh, from Exodus 23, verses 22 to 30, to 30. And I want you to listen to this explicit promise from God. This is those people. These are the ones. This is their parents. This is 40 years earlier. Listen to this, as God tells them. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice, and do all, all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies, and an adversary unto thine adversaries. So when you get there to the border, this is what's going to happen. For mine angel shall go before thee, and bring thee in unto the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. I will cut them off. Listen, I'm going to bring you victory. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, for thou shalt utterly overthrow them, and quite, it says like, quite break down their images. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and will take sickness away from the midst of thee. You're not going to have any physical issues to deal with. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in the land. And he says, look, none of your animals are going to have a stillborn. Everything's going to be fruitful and multiplied. The number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before thee. Listen to this. Before you get there, Israelites, guess what I'm doing? I will send my fear before thee, and I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. When they meet Rahab, what does she say? For 40 years, we've been waiting for you to come because we knew, we heard of the God of Israel. We're going to hear about this fear. And he tells them way in advance before they get there. This is a year before they get to the border. And he promises them, look, I'm going to do all these things if you'll just trust me. He says this, And I will send hornets before thee, and will drive out the Hivite and the Canite and the, Hitt and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land be become desolate. He says, look, there will be people there to tend the land, and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. He says, look, I'm going to make sure that this transition makes sense. By, he says, By little and little I will drive them out from before thee, until thou be increased and inherit the land. Not only does God say, look, I'm going to handle everything, but I'm going to do it in a way that will make it such a smooth transition. You guys are going to be able to walk right across the border, and it's going to be fantastic. But within 40 days, there's a naked orgy around a golden calf and a huge group of people that have forsaken God altogether and forgotten His promises. And we hear that and we go, that is insane. How in the world did that happen? But how many times has that been us? We go to God's Word and we hear of His incredible faithful provision. Right? And in no time, we look at our circumstances. Fear takes hold. And we're trembling, thinking God forgot. He doesn't know about this concern. How many times have we gone to God's Word and we've realized the fact that He works through tribulation? 
We hear that and we go, man, tribulation, work of patience, patience, experience, experience, hope. Amen. But then tribulation comes. And instead of going, here's my opportunity to learn, because I know that God works all things together for good for those that love God, that are called according to His purpose. God's got a plan. No. The fear runs through our mind. What if I'm the exception to the rule? And we fall into fear. And we look at them and go, how could they? It's us. So many times, we're the older generation, not the new one. So, the older generation, remember they were plagued with carnality, fear, and doubt. And what we find is with these two generations, what we see is a picture. We see a picture. We see a comparison. There's one generation that just cannot let go of the world and the influence that it has over them. And there's another group that's forsaken it. They're willing to trust God and move forward. Which one are we? I think we vacillate. Sometimes we're the old. Sometimes we're the new. But remember, why does Jesus constantly say this time and time again? Seven or eight different times he says this. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Will you listen? Will you just listen? So their commitment came in this form. To do whatever he commanded, to go wherever he sent them, and to listen to whatever he said. That sounds like a pretty sweet commandment or, or commitment. That's what we should be doing. God, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. Wherever you tell me to go, I will go. And when you speak, I won't just let it come in one ear and go out the other. I will listen. Let me apply it to my life because I think we're all guilty of this. Come into church. I showed up. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm in service. Amen. I made it here on time. All right. On. I'm good. I paid attention. Didn't fall asleep. I did good. <laughs> and God deals with our heart. And we're like, yes. And we're broken in the message. Tears run down our face. We're emotionally involved. We're like, yes. Lord, I'm going to commit. And then we walk out of the doors of the church. And as soon as it's like there's an eraser that somehow just <laughs> scrubs our minds. And we walk outside and we're like, what a beautiful day. What are we having for lunch, sweetheart? I don't know. What are you having for lunch? And we go about our day and all this commitment gets piled up at the door. And God's going, hey, let this stuff sink in. Amen. Make a commitment and follow through. These guys are going to follow through and praise the Lord for that. So first we see their commitment. Then we see, secondly, we see their commendation. The commendation of the people. First the commitment of the people, then the commendation. He says, only the Lord God be with thee as he was with Moses. They're saying, hey, look, we want to bless you, Joshua. May God be with you. We commend you for what's to come. May, you be with, may God be with you as the same way he was with Joshua. You see, their success, they know that if he succeeds, they'll succeed. They're trying to build him up. They want him to be a true success, right? And you and I, as we hear this, this commendation, recognize the fact that true success as a Christian is to experience true peace. True peace, right? We all think about peace as this thing that's an unattainable thing. If I could just be on a beach somewhere, you know what I'm saying? Pillow behind my head, palm tree, a little bit of breeze, and just be at peace. That's what I, that's what I need. And see, this is the very thing. This is what Joshua, this is what the people are seeking, right? Uniformly, they're saying, hey, we just want to get to the land flowing with milk and honey. We want to get past all the, tri the tribulations and all the issues of the world so that we can experience and find peace. And see, this is what the world is seeking. We're united as a human uh, Whatever we are, lump, body, whatever we are, the human existence, we're all unified in that same desire, a burning desire to find peace. People scrape and fight and climb trying to get enough money or trying to get enough success so they can just get a point in time where they can, one day, man, I'm going to retire. And when I retire, man, oh, then it's going to be, whew, I'm going to finally have peace. And we find that people so many times are trying to find it in this world. But see, the real place for peace is not in this world. This world cannot give us anything that will attain or we can attain peace. True peace is found only with the Lord. Amen. Because what happens is when you get caught up in the resources of this world and whatever this world has to offer, it's not family, it's not finances, it's not homes, it's not fame or wealth, none of that stuff. Because no matter how many of those things we have, it will never bring us peace. There's a, have you ever seen the movie... Um, the circus movie. What's it called? Greatest, greatest Showman. That's it. So The Greatest Showman. If you ever watched that movie, there's a song in that movie where this British lady sings a song. And man, she's got a great voice. Beautiful song. But if you listen to the words of the song, oh my word. 
The song is called Never Enough. Never Enough. And I'm going to read you the part that repeats itself. Is that the chorus? Yes. Okay, that's what I'm going to read you. The chorus. All right. Listen to the words. All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the fame in the world, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough. Never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough. Never be enough. Right. Boy, there are no more true words said by humanity than that. Never enough. We find true peace in only one place, and it is in the arms of God. Amen. If you're out there watching this, and I don't care if this is 20 years, 100 years from now, and you're watching this on the internet flying in your flying car, hey, <laughs> guess what? You ain't going to find peace here. You'll only find it with God. Amen. John 14, 27 says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace, this is Jesus speaking, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, listen to that, give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled, don't be fearful. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Right? This is their commendation for Joshua. They're saying, hey man, God be with you, Joshua. That's what we want. God be with you. In the presence of God, what is it going to do for Joshua? It's going to give him peace. Be strong and have courage. Don't be fearful. Have peace in your heart because God's with you. Verse 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace, the peace of God which passeth all understanding is beyond our ability to understand shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. When Sherry watched Mark take his last breath there was a peace that passeth all understanding. Amen. And what does it do? It keeps our hearts and it keeps our minds. It's a peace like nothing else. This is the beauty of God. This unexplainable, unworldly, supernatural peace. It's not only for the heart, but for the mind, man. The issues of the heart where we're fearful and worried and scared and those issues where we're so troubled, those things that wake you up in the middle of the night. God says, look, it'll take care of your heart. And all the thoughts that run through your mind of all the what ifs could go together, what, 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 it'll keep your mind. And instead of you being tortured by your circumstance, you can be in the midst of your circumstance and have absolute peace. Amen. Amen. Awesome. God is so good, man. That's the joy of being a Christian, man. If our friend goes on to be with the Lord, praise God, man. Amen. Praise God. He said he's way better off than he was ever on this earth. And all the things he talked about, I told Joe before service. I was like, this is like talking about a, a, a promo that you've seen for a movie that you die in to see. And you just keep watching the promo and watching the promo and watching the promo. And, and for 40 years, you watch the promo. And finally, they go, guess what? The movie came out. And you're like, yes, I get to go see the movie. Hey, man, he's been watching the promo for all these years. And now he gets to see the real deal. Technicolor, full surround sound, HD, 4K, whatever it is, man. Boom. Hello, Jesus. Wow, that's awesome, dude. Amen. Oh, that fires me up. <laughs> All right. But let's understand, this peace, this is what Joshua gets through his relationship with God. Joshua 1.9, what did God tell him? Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Look, be at peace, Joshua, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. It is the presence of God that brings peace. Child of God, do you have peace? Are you at peace? Amen. Or is this world knocking you around? Is fear racking your life? Where are we? Why does it happen? Why do we not have peace? Because there's a care of this world. Something's gotten between us and God. Because if I know if peace is in the arms of God, if I'm in the arms of God, then I'm experiencing peace. Amen. Which means that if I'm not experiencing peace, I'm not in the arms of God. There's something between us. We need to pay attention to this. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. This is the prescription for peace. I just read it to you. But now we're going to look at it a little bit more closely. Remember it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Okay? That means I'm rejoicing on days of celebration, and I'm rejoicing in days of mourning. I'm rejoicing when I got a new job. Praise the Lord! And I'm rejoicing when the Lord, unexpectedly, I get fired. I'm rejoicing when I'm healthy and strong and I get a good report from the doctor. And I'm rejoicing when he says, guess what? you got three weeks to live. You have cancer. We rejoice always. Always. Verse 5, he says this, Let your moderation be known unto all men. 
What's your moderation? Your moderation is your life. Your righteousness, the life that you live. Why do we do it? He says, the Lord is at hand. I'm not living it for the world. I'm not living it for the, for the adulation of men. I'm living it to give glory to God. Why am I righteous? Not because I think I want to so, show myself better than anybody else. I'm righteous because I honor the Lord, because I'm accountable to Him. Because I want to honor God and love God. It's why we do this. Amen. Notice what it said. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Be careful for nothing. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't allow your fear to have hold. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. Right? I'm trusting the Lord. I don't understand my circumstances. I don't understand why this is happening. But guess what? I know you do. <laughs> so instead of crying about it, I'm going to say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to walk through this. When I talked to Mark three weeks ago, and he was telling me all that was going on. He said, brother, I don't understand it. But I know one thing. God does. And you know what? I trust Him with everything. Amen. That's it. We trust the Lord no matter what. And notice the next part. With thanksgiving. Gratitude. Thanking God for cancer. Thanking God for tribulation. Thanking God. What did Paul say? I glory in my tribulations that the power of Christ may rest upon me because I know in my tribulation God's working in me. He's shaping me. He says, let your request be made known unto God. Be transparent with the Lord. Be honest with God. Be, 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 be real with Him. Let Him carry your burdens. Cast your care upon me, for I care for you, God says. We go through these issues, and if we do these things, that's the prescription. What's the, what's the result? Verse 7. And if we'll do those, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Jesus is, or Joshua is walking with you, God. Jesus. Right? He's walking with God. Amen. How about us? Mm. Are we truly walking with God? Next, we see the condemnation of the people. So we've seen their commitment, we've seen their, commencement, or their, their commendation, and we now see the condemnation. Verse 18, Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words, in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Okay? They're serious about this commitment. They ain't messing around. To them, this is a life or death commitment, man. They're totally in. They're saying, look, we're in this thing. Unlike their parents, this generation, man, they vowed accountability to God, but also to Joshua. And guess what they're also saying right now? They're saying accountability to one another. So Joshua, they're accountable to God, they're accountable to Joshua, and they're accountable to one another. And it's this individual accountability that will help them to succeed. As we'll see this in chapter number 7, when we get there, we're going to see as things go awry, we're going to watch the accountability of the people to one another. And this is an important element for the church. Yes. For us. Yes. Accountability. Not for the purpose of judgment. Not for the purpose of, of persecution or punishment. It's not about that. It's about protection. It's about edification. The purpose of this accountability is to protect the body. And it's also many times in, for, in regards to restoration. Yeah. Because realize the heart behind confronting sin is never to, to punish. It's always about restoration. Yeah. Because that's the heart of God. Yeah. That's always what we're doing. In, Gen in Galatians 6 verses 1 and 2 it says this, Brethren, speaking to the Christian, to the church, if a man be overtaken in a fault, a Christian man overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, Listen, those that are walking with God, restore such and one in the spirit of meekness. Mm -hmm. You have the power to bring judgment. You have the power to bring, to bring punishment upon him, but you don't. Meekness is power under control, right? This is someone who says, you know what? I could lay into you, but you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to come to you in a spirit of meekness. And why is that? Why, is it, why am I conscious to do that in a spirit of meekness? Because the next line says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Yeah. He says, because you know what? What can happen if you find them in a fault? You can become a judge very quickly. And all of a sudden, you can turn your back on them and walk away and say, you know what, I can't believe what you've done. That's a temptation for us to get into sin. Because what does the next line say? Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah. This person's struggling with an addiction, whatever it is. If they want to get right, man, you're there with them. They call you at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they're in a gutter somewhere, and they go, I need help, man. Go! Amen. Lift them up! Wash them off. Yeah. Love them. Yes. 
walk with him. Because God's desire is to restore that life. Amen. It needs to be our desire. Our heart's desire must be to see the individual members of our church flourish in their relationship with God. Because if we individually flourish and then as a body flourish, guess what? God gets glory. That's the ultimate reason why we're here. Yes. Right? That's what this whole thing is about. But in those cases where there are people who do not want to get right, and those folks who say, you know what? I'm happy with what I'm doing. I'm willing to stay in sin. What do we do? God tells us exactly what to do. In Matthew 18, verses 15 through 18, He tells us how to deal with it. Moreover, He says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, they do something against you, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Go to them one-on-one. -on -one. You don't tell your friend. You don't tell your neighbor. You don't even tell me. You just go deal with it. Go talk to them. Hey, you know what? This offended me. You did this thing. This is wrong. And they go, man, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Let me get it right. Boom. Hey, done. Right? If he shall hear thee, thou must gain thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Then we go back and we talk to them. Look, 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 let's try to speak some reason into your heart, man. These things are wrong in your life. We're not here to judge you. We're here to help you and get you out of this mess. And if, he will, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto them, unto thee as an, as an heathen, and man, heathen man and a publican. So he says, look, even if the church comes along and goes, look, brother, we want to get you right. We want to help you through this. And they go, I'm not going to get right. All we have at that point in time is to go, you know what? Hey, we wish you luck. We're going to have to break fellowship with you. But you know what? When you're ready to get right, I want you to know those doors are always open to you. My phone is always ready to receive you. I don't care how far you go and how deep you, de how deep you end up. But when your heart changes and you want to turn, we're here for you. The very same way the Lord is, right? That, that shepherd that goes off and gets the one in the 99, the one that ends up off in the ditch and in the mud and in the mess, it was his own accord. He had a shepherd he could have followed, but he went off on his own and made a mess of it. But what does he do? Jesus says, look, he goes after that one. That's the role that we must play in people's lives. We care for them. The individual accountability in both the children of Israel and the local church is for the edification of the body as we endeavor always to bring glory to God's name. That's what this is about. This is why our individual walk is so important. Individually, we're, walking, we're working on us. Because remember, God gets the black eye. God's name gets muddied when we drop the ball. And understand, I think about this man that fell into sin, that did all that he did and left that ruined life behind. And for what? For what? To fulfill his flesh. And we're guilty of the same thing. When we forsake God, what are we doing? We're fulfilling our flesh. Our sweet Lord who's given us promise after promise after promise after promise, who's opened the door, opened His heart to us, and who's there all the time, ready, willing, and able, hear all of our stuff, carry all of our burdens. And we're willing to fulfill our flesh and spit in His face. Shame on us. I'm not pointing fingers, man. We're all guilty. Many times we are those old generation, man. We're the ones that are so filled with ourselves. And the condemnation is this, man. Hey, get right. Get right. God wants you to be restored, not destroyed. And man, if your life's off course right now, turn. Yeah. Turn to God because He loves you. He wants to restore you. We're here to help you in any way we can. Then fourth, we see this, the encouragement of the people. It says here, only be strong and have a good courage. Now this is awesome because this exact same phrase, right? So Joshua hears it from Moses. He's like, okay, be strong and have a good courage. <sighs> okay, I can do this. And then God talks to him. Hey, Joshua, be strong and have a good courage. <sighs> okay, I can do this. And now the people unite as a group and they go, Joshua, be strong and have a good courage. <laughs> <sighs> okay, can we imagine the task that Joshua's got? Can you imagine the stress that's kind of on him physically? We think about Joshua and go, man, oh man, he just did this. No, he was struggling. He was, he was trying to do his best. But we think about this. These people have put faith in Joshua. What are they saying when they say be strong and have a good courage? Remember how God said he was with you? So are we. Joshua, so are we. We're in, dude. We're in. Amen. So when you look at us, be strong and have a good courage. Because you see all these smiles? You see all these eyes focused on you? 
If you said right now, who believes in me, Joshua? All of our hands would go up. We do, Joshua. We're all in. Be strong and have a good courage because we are united behind you. You are our leader. Yes. And can I just tell you as your pastor, That's what I love to hear. Not in vow, but in true, Amen. honest dedication. Amen. There's people that should be here today that found a reason not to be. There are people that should be online that are not. Because they're not committed. Because they're not in. Because they're on the border. Because they settled outside of God's boundaries. And you see, as Laodiceans, what happens to us mm -hmm. is we get comfortable. Mm -hmm. We get comfortable being partially in. Right. And see, Joshua's got a group of people that are saying, we're, we're in, Joshua. We'll back you. And what happens with us is because of the fact that we get comfortable, we do just enough to make us feel good. Yeah. It's not about the mission. It's not about the result. It's not about honoring God. It becomes about us. I come to church and I sit here, not so that I can be changed, but so that I can feel a little bit better about me. And I'm not pointing fingers because I've sat in plenty of services. Well, that's why I was there. And when I leave, man, oh, that was good. I'm enriched. I learned that. I was entertained by that. I remember this story. But did God do in my life what he needed to do? Was I all in? Attending church, unfortunately, becomes a matter of convenience. Helps, and we, uh, people say, you know, hey, I'll be there. I'll help out if it fits my schedule. Not because we want to glorify God, because we just want to feel better. Revelations 3, 14, uh, 3 15 or 16 says this. God speaking to the Laodicean believers, us, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, neither in or out, I will spew thee out of my mouth. This is the way the Lord sees the Christianity of today. It's sad. But we can see it. Listen to the descriptions that we see in 2 Timothy. Okay, Paul's writing to Timothy and this warning is prophetically speaking to us. Listen to this. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Who believes we're in the last days? Amen. Look at the world. Hello. Okay, so this is talking to us. Yep. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Yep. Okay? Lovers of their own selves. What does that do? If you love yourself, it opens you to sin because it's pride, right? Sin. Now what does he do? Now what does he do? Because they love themselves, he's going to give us a list of sins. Covetous. How many have coveted in our lives? Boom. Yep. Boasters. Yep. Hey, man. Braggers. Proud. Full of pride. Blasphemers. We use the Lord's name in vain. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Doesn't this, this all strike home because we've all been these. Yep. Without natural affection. Truce breakers. False accusers. Incontinent. That means people that are out of control. Fierce. Filled with anger. Despisers of those things that are good. Traitors. Heady. High-minded. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. When we forsake God for our flesh... That's us. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. The person who's in bed today sleeping because getting to church wasn't convenient, they love their flesh more than they love God. Listen to this last part. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Denying the power. They have a form of godliness. When we look at their life, man, they look like a Christian. They sound like a Christian. They dress like a Christian. Their life appears to be Christ-like. But the problem is, they're denying the power thereof. They're not submitted to God. They're doing it in their flesh. This is the mainstream Christianity that is in the world today. And I'm almost done. This is when people go to those kind of churches and they sit in those kind of services. Hey, listen, I'm not here for you to discuss my sin. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not to get into that subject matter. Uh, not here to, to confront me. I just came here, and it's okay if you've got to tell me some hard stuff. As long as when I leave, I feel good. Right. Yeah. 
if that's what you can give me, I'll come and you can beat up on me a little bit, but as long as when I leave, you give me a good, firm pat on the back and send me on my way. Look and listen to this description, 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 through 4. How, what is the Bible supposed to be for? What is preaching for? Preach the word, he tells Timothy. Be instant in season, out of season. It means you be the same all the time. You don't vary. Reprove. That means confront. Rebuke. That means confront. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You do it in, in care. You're exhorting people. You're trying to build people up. You do it with patience. You lovingly do so. Why and how? You do it through doctrine, through teaching the Word of God. The thing that Mark was committed to, the thing that this church is committed to, is the doctrine of the Word of God. If this life, if this world is going to be worth anything, it's because, because we learned how to live this book. Yeah, right. Amen. The reason for biblical preaching is to confront sin and to help us be better. Amen. The reason why I poured my heart out to you it's because I'm asking God to work in all of us. I need to change. You need to change. We all need to be better. God's got a purpose and a plan for us. Because as time grows short, man, we're not promised tomorrow. One day you're here and the next day you're gone. And if you don't leave right, man, you've got to stand before the Lord with shame in your eyes. And I don't want that for any of us. Because listen to the next part. Verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear the truth. That's right. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, not preachers, teachers. What does a teacher do? All they do is impart knowledge. Mm -hmm. They don't confront sin. You just leave educated going, man, I'm doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. Having itching ears. What a funny statement. Having itching ears. What that means is, you ever scratch a dog? Yeah. The ear itches and you scratch it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so good. Get my That's a spot. Oh, yeah. Right? Man, just give me what I want. Dude, give me that scratch and, dude, I'm, I'm good to go. That's what he's saying. Just scratch them. What, just give them what they want, man, and they'll be thrilled. And listen to this. Verse 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. They could receive doctrine or they could receive stories. And they will choose stories. You can go to any number of churches in this city and hear some fantastic teach, preaching, supposedly. But it will be loaded with stories. And you will be entertained, I guarantee you. The music will blow your mind. The, the, the analogies will be incredible. But you'll be like, What's, how much Bible was in that? Yeah. I, was like, I think we only had like two verses. Sometimes one verse. Maybe all, sometimes just an excerpt from a verse. And we're not hearing from God, we're hearing from a man. Can people entertain us? Yes. yes. You ever heard the term silver-tongued devil? Yeah. Man, there's a lot of them out there. So what we find is the fact that you and I, we should be seeking truth. Because that's where God can be found. And if we're seeking peace, it's with the Lord. Our problem isn't that we don't have, truth, isn't, isn't that we don't have access to the truth. Our problem is that we have a hard time listening to the truth. Because it's uncomfortable. Right? It requires change. It impacts us. It makes us look within ourselves. Now, the people told Joshua, be strong and have a good courage. Joshua, we're all in. You can do this. Amen. God's with you. And so are we. Amen, man. Now, as we examine our level of commitment to God, are we honestly surrendered to whatever he would ask of us? Honestly? If we search our hearts and God said, look, this is what I want you to do and you knew it was him, would you respond? Or are we committed to doing the minimum? Because in the end, it's all about making God fit our lifestyle. It's sad that most people fall into that second category. But as your pastor, man, I live for the day. When we can't keep tracks out there, <laughs> then I was like, we're out again. I got to reorder. Got to reorder. And they're not stacking up in people's cars. They're like, oh, I got a bunch of tracks. I'm going to put them in this box in the back of my truck. No, they're being given out. You're interacting with people and God's laying on your heart to share tracks with people. And you're going, you know what? Can I just give you the good news of who God is? I'd love for you to know what, he, what I know, man. My life was changed 19 years ago and I'd love for you to know the same truth. Praise the Lord. And if they throw it in the trash, who cares? We did the best that we could. Our job is to commit it to someone else. But many times God will use that word because you know what? And it doesn't return void even if they just read it for a second. 
And how amazing would it be that if our discipleship, we said, look, you know what? We need more disciples because guess what? We've got a waiting list for people that want to be involved in discipleship. People are hungry for the Word of God. People that have gotten saved, guess what? They need to get baptized. We've got to have a bad Sunday because I've got like 11 people that want to get baptized. Let's get to it. Okay. These things aren't happening, but I'm telling you, I'd love it if they would. Yep. It'd be amazing. And then ultimately, a church full of people that are in love with God's Word. Amen. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. What if that's who we were? And we earnestly, honestly loved His Word. And then the commitment that would be heard by God from Hope Baptist Church as we gather around the things of God and the Word of God in order to honor Him would be this. United we stand. Amen. Pastor. Amen. Hey, Pastor. We're all in. Amen. Yes. I don't want it for me. I want it for the Lord. Amen. He deserves it. Mm. And the only stopping us is us. Right. Let's pray. Whew. Thank you, Lord, for today and incredible lessons we learned from just three little verses and what you've shown us. God, we do praise you for your work in our lives and, Lord, the opportunity we have to commit with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't know that I've ever committed like that. I don't know that I've ever really thrown down the gauntlet and say, Lord, not only will I do, and not only will I go, but Lord, I will listen. Any Christian who's ever done anything great in this world had a moment in their time life when they decided, this is my moment. I'm going to quit settling for what I've been doing up to this point, and I'm ready to make a change. Not a commitment for the sake of people, but a commitment to the Lord. As Jacob was, right? At that oak, at that oak tree, that commitment. This is a day of commitment. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor? That's me. I've not committed, but I want to commit. Today is my day. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Nobody's looking around. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Say, look, today's my day. I'm committing. I'm not wasting time. I'm going to stand to my feet. Because you know what? I'm committing to who it is God's called me to be. Praise the Lord, brother. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Make it a moment of change in your life. We you say, look, I'm not willing <laughs> to settle. I want to be more. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> There's so much to do. And we need soldiers. <sighs> All you guys that are standing, man, just take a moment. Make that commitment to Him. It's not to me. It's to God. Let Him work in your life. And if you're seated today and you've made that commitment, and you know your moment, praise the Lord. Live it. The world will try to stop you. The world will throw everything it can at us. But today can be a turning point for you and your personal walk and our church if we'll just commit. Lord, thank you for each one that is committed. Thank you, Lord, for those that it's in their hearts, Lord. Maybe they're scared. But God, I pray that you help us. Help us, Lord, to be all in. Help us to stand. United, we stand, that we might bring glory to your name. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't know Christ. I don't know Christ. Hey, that's okay. 19 years ago, I didn't know him either. I didn't know Jesus from a hole in the wall. I didn't know anything about him. But someone cared enough about me to tell me the truth of who he was and establish a relationship with the Savior. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're out there right now and you say, you know, I do not know Christ, but I want to, let me tell you, He's waiting on you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. It won't be a magic prayer. It has nothing to do with a commitment or a ceremony. This is about a matter of the heart. As God calls you, all you must do is respond.
The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As He reaches out to you, He's simply waiting for you to respond by faith. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. You're watching this recorded. It does not take me. This is between you and God. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. Repeat after me in your heart, in your mind, or out loud. And talk to the Lord if you want to receive Him as your Savior. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a, sin a sinner. And I'm sorry. I'm asking you right now, in the best way I know how, to come into my heart. To come into my life. To forgive me of my sin. And save my soul. Lord, by faith, I'm calling out to you. And by faith, I receive you as my Savior. Lord, use my life for your glory. And Lord, one day, when I take my last breath, let my next breath be in heaven. Thank you for the joy of salvation and for the pleasure and peace that you've given me as a child of the King. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.